Welcome to Joyful Souls, the podcast. I'm Tracy Benson, your host. Join us each session for a deep dive of real talk and inspiring interviews with conscious, awakened souls who are realizing epic fulfillment by living on purpose, with intention, and in alignment. Come find out how they have created their life to be this epic, fulfilling experience. I'm a lifestyle coach, an entrepreneur, a speaker, personal development junkie, and most of all, your host for this epic journey where you can also learn how to take your life from ordinary to extraordinary. See you on the other side. Welcome, welcome, welcome to Joyful Souls, the podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Benson. Today, I'm doing a solo episode in real time. It's April 27th, 2020, and we're still in the midst of that global pandemic I've talked about in the other two episodes. Today, I'm going to give you a little bit about my early backstory and dealing with grief as a family, and then I'll go on to some more up-to-date things, given that I'm 57 and this happened about 56 years ago, that brings us to present time and what people are going through right now with grief, which can result from any type of loss in the here and now. So as I've mentioned before, I was raised in a military family and my father got his vacation, as they call it, his leave from the military in the summer of 1964, and we went to Aztec, New Mexico, to visit my grandmother, his mother. I was just over like 15 months and two days when this particular incident occurred, and my father, who loved to fish, decided to take my brothers, who were eight and a half and 11, down to the large river that's near Aztec, New Mexico, to go fishing. My mother typically went along on these things, but my grandmother didn't feel comfortable watching me. She hadn't had a small child in the house for a long time, so my mother decided to stay behind and stay with me. Well, tragedy struck our family that day. My father was out fishing with my brothers, again, a very large river there near Aztec, New Mexico, and there was a lot of fishermen out that day. And as boys will be boys, they started instead of fishing, playing on the shore, doing things, you know, and messing around. And the worst thing that could possibly happen did. Both of my brothers fell in the river. Now, this was a very large river, as I said, fast-moving water. My brother that was 11 kind of floated down with the current. My brother that was eight and a half was trying to swim towards the current, towards my father. Fishermen were diving in all over trying to save my brothers, including my father. My older 11-year-old brother was saved by a fisherman who dove in and got him. Unfortunately, my eight and a half-year-old brother, Stephen, perished. It was so bad for my father in that moment that he wouldn't Long after my brother was gone and they knew he was, you know, not redeemable, my father kept diving in the water, going after him. And it took six men to hold my father down 
And they literally had to knock him out to keep him from killing himself in that moment because he was getting exhausted and they knew that that's what was going to happen. We stayed there. The funeral was there at cemetery there near my grandmother's house. And I don't remember any of that like in real time. I was only 15 months old. So this is what I do remember. As I got a little bit older, there were, I didn't even realize I had another brother. There were no pictures of him, no, you know, memorabilia, nothing. But when I got a little older, I had found them in drawers and I'd asked aunts because I knew it was probably something not to be talked about in my household. In the meantime, when I was little, my mother had gotten very thin. She was not eating. She was not handling depression. My father threw himself into work. And when I was about two and a half, we moved to Japan. By that time, I was kind of running the house. My brother was already depressed. He was almost 13 years old. And my mother was sad all the time. My father was always angry. And I became the stable force in the household. Now, some people would be mad about that later on because I had really no childhood, but my childhood was not horrific. My family loved me. I had everything I needed. I just lived in a house that was not dealing with the grief that comes with the loss of a child. My father blamed himself and my brother. My brother blamed himself and probably my father in some ways too. And my mother blamed herself because she was watching me instead of there. Now, most likely none of it could have been prevented. There are just things that happen in this world that are not nice. And it's not about the thing that happened. It's what happens afterwards to the people who are left behind. My brother and my father's relationship was very tenuous pretty much the rest of my father's life. And that was about, oh, I don't know, about 30 more years. So it wasn't a quick thing. My brother has been suicidal off and on all his life, tried to commit suicide multiple times, has many mental health issues due to not having this dealt with in an appropriate manner. And it wasn't my parents' fault. It was no one's fault. There just wasn't services back then. Nobody thought about it. It's just, oh, in a month or so, it'll feel better and you'll move on. Well, that doesn't happen. It just doesn't happen. Not unless you've dealt with it. So when I was about eight, I started having full-blown panic attacks. And mind you, I was running the house. I kept everybody, I kept my mother from crying. I kept my father from being angry. I kept my brother, you know, laughing so he wouldn't be so depressed. It was my job, I felt, to keep everybody where they needed to be. And by the time I was eight, I was so stressed out about it that I was having full-blown panic attacks. I would literally go when it was quiet and when I could get away and everybody was okay to where I could and spend hours in my darkened closet just trying to get over the fear and the dread. About the same time, I started having recurring nightmares. Now, I didn't know what they were, and I didn't talk about them. Heaven knows I didn't tell my parents I had any problems. I became the straight-A student, the top athlete. Anything and everything I could do to please the household, to take the burden off my brother, and to make people smile once in a while. When I look back at my pictures from after my brother died till I was probably 10 years old, 
I'm not smiling in any of them. It's a strange thing for a child, right? There's got to be a moment where you're happy. I even have pictures of me with my toys at Christmas when I was four, five. Not a single smile in any one of them. Now, I never even really noticed because, right, this is the way I was raised. I didn't know any difference, and I love my family, and my parents love me, although there were no hugs and kisses and no I love you as much in our house. But I can imagine why. When you face the loss of a child, giving more love is almost scary. Now, I found that out from my mother after my father died because I could never talk to my father about my brother's death. It was so painful for him that he would just literally shut down. And in his older years, approximately the last, you know, 15 years of his life, 60 and up, which I'm almost 60 now, he was a lot different. He was a lot more mellow, but he cried a lot. And that wasn't my dad. My dad was tough as nails when I was growing up. That was the strong face he put on in adversity that didn't serve him. So as I grew, I finally told my aunt when I was about 12 about the nightmares, and she asked me to describe them. And I did. And it was my brother's funeral to the T. She was in shock and awe because I was only 15 months old. How could I possibly remember that? And I didn't remember it consciously. I remembered it subconsciously because it was a traumatic event. Everyone was crying. People from, I mean, there were probably a thousand people at my brother's funeral because, you know, when a child dies, people come from everywhere, even if they didn't know you. Because any parent, any grandparent, and even any single person that loves a child, a niece, a nephew, a friend's child, can only imagine what that pain must be like to lose your child. Anyway, illness, accident, suicide, it doesn't matter. The loss of a child, I have come to find from what my family went through and talking to other people's families, probably one of the greatest losses that one could ever have. So my aunt did tell my mother. We didn't tell my father. And they sent me to regression therapy so that I could go back and remember it and not be afraid anymore and get rid of the nightmares. And it worked. However, my parents still never talked about my brother. We never talked about what happened. And I still had panic attacks. I still was highly anxious all the time and fearful. And I just lived with it. I just lived with it. And as an adult, I realized my family was different than other families. However, I knew that didn't mean it was a bad thing. It was just something that was different than if you want to say there's a norm, than the norm. My mother wasn't a hugger and a kisser, at least not with me. She might have been before my brother died. As I got older and when I had my first child, my mother shifted. And all of a sudden, she was this loving, doting, kissing, hugging, I love you person to her grandkids, to my babies, that I didn't even recognize. I remember saying to myself the first time I saw that, who are you and what did you do with my mother? Well, years later, I finally figured out that she was far enough out of the pain and the grief from my brother 25 years later. I had my first child just before I turned 27, and that was her first grandchild, that she had been able to work through some of it and move past it. 
My dad, however, was still the same kind of gruff guy, not a lot of patience for kids, although he was a lot softer in those years. I, on the other hand, had took on that same persona as my mother. Although she was ultra-feminine in a lot of ways, she was more emotionally based, couldn't separate it, that kind of thing. And I had learned from my father to be very strong and daunting. I remember I had a really bad bicycle accident when I was 12 and came home with a broken wrist, skin off to the bone in a couple of places. I walked in the house like nothing had happened. That was all me just being who I really wasn't, who I'd created in order to survive, was this tough, just this tough exterior where not much could penetrate me. Although I had feelings and I got hurt, I didn't show it. Or should I say, it looked like it couldn't penetrate me. Now, years later, I realized that all of this was a product of the grief in our household. I'd never properly grieved for my brother. My family had never properly grieved for him. And this was the product of it. Now, it could be a different product in somebody else's house, but this is the way it manifested in mine. So grief takes on many forms, anxiety, depression, anger, all kinds of things. And when people don't work through the emotion and don't allow themselves to feel and give respect to their loss and move through it in their own time, it sits there and it manifests into all kinds of things that were not intended. So for years, I've been peeling back my layers to become who I was originally intended to be, not the things that were placed on me by the circumstances. And there were many more in our life. The death of my brother was just the catalyst for the original. And now today in the midst of COVID, I see it happening with folks all over, people that are not able to go and be with their loved ones when they pass away in the hospital. They can't be there and hold their hands and pay their respects and say their goodbyes. And now they're lost in this grief because things weren't the way they thought they would be because they weren't allowed to do certain things. And again, this is all in the way our mind processes. This is not an actuality because we know there are sometimes circumstances when we're not there when a loved one dies, an accident, they go to the hospital unexpectedly, and by the time we get there, they're gone. We have other losses going on right now too, which may not be as grievous as a family member or a loved one or a friend, but people are losing their jobs. Some might lose their home because they're unemployed. Businesses are failing. They're not surviving. Many are closed down. Some don't know whether they're reopen or not. Some that were on tenuous ground at best are probably already gone under. There is a lot of loss going on right now. And some of it's not even related to the COVID. Yesterday, what brought all this to my mind was I have a friend that is in a real estate mastermind that I belong to here. And I got word on Saturday that she, her husband, and her eight-year-old son were killed in a plane crash. Her, excuse me, her husband was the pilot, very experienced pilot. We still don't know what happened. 
They left behind two beautiful daughters, 16 and 20-year-olds, that are now having to deal with the grief of going on without both their parents and their little brother. And what brought it really to forefront to me was seeing all the posts on Facebook about the life well-lived that they had done. Not just posts about them losing, not their life, not, but just an outpour of what they had meant to others in their life. And I went, oh my God, there's the beauty in this. These people lived a miraculous, beautiful, giving life. And that's all any of us can wish for, is for people to remember the good we did when we're gone. And while I'm still very sad, as you can tell by my voice, it still gave me solace in the fact that their life was not in vain that they meant so much to so many people and that we're all coming together as we can to celebrate that life, not their death. Now their daughters, they have a long road. And my wish for them is they get all the help they need to process their grief and come out on the other side with a beautiful understanding of how amazing their parents and their little brother were, and that that gives them the strength to go out and live that beautiful life themselves. So while this is a, maybe a very sad topic for many, I just want to say that if anyone listening to this is depressed or grieving because of a loss, and it doesn't have to be the loss of life, please reach out and get some assistance. There are all kinds of resources available to people. And often when we're in the midst of this grief of loss of whatever it is, we feel like we're all alone. We can be in a crowded room, which probably not happening now unless we're still working like at a hospital, but we can still feel all alone. There is no shame, no reason not to reach out. You may just need someone to talk to. I find most often that's the biggest thing is having someone sit and really listen to us and hear us and not tell us it's going to be all right. Not tell us the things that we think we should say because that's the most thing and nobody's doing that to be wrong or do the wrong thing. It's just that often we don't know what to say when we're faced with these tragedies and people are talking to us. But what we really need to do is just listen and be there and ask them what we can do to support them. And often they'll say they don't know. That's a very common response. But you know, just being there and listening is probably the biggest thing that they need in that moment. Now, they might need some resources to pay bills, to get back on track. If it's a job loss, if it's a loss of life, they might need some counseling. They might need some further help there. And I know that it's available to all of us, but sometimes we don't ask. Sometimes we sit in our grief and we suffer. And as I've said on both of my podcasts previously, that suffering is optional and pain is inevitable. And some pains are really deep and we're going to suffer some, but we can choose to come out on the other side. But most often we need some help to do so. So please, if you know anyone like this, reach out to them you know, anybody that suffered a loss, reach out to them, ask what you can do and just listen, just listen and be there 
because that's really what they need the most of. They don't need people telling them, you know, it'll take time because we don't know how long it's going to take. Just listen and be there for them. That's the best medicine that anyone can give. So today, my friends, I'm going to leave you with this thought. If you're grieving and you feel like you're stuck, if you're depressed and don't know where to turn, if you're scared and lonely and don't know what to do, reach out to me, reach out to a family member, reach out to a friend and keep reaching out till you find someone that will listen and support you through it. Now that doesn't mean I want them to sit there and let you play the victim because you're not a victim. Life is truly happening for us in every single moment. Although sometimes when we face tragedies, we feel like it's happening to us. And I assure you, even my parents, when my brother died, life was happening for them and for me and for my brother. Just sometimes we don't see it. We don't see the end game. We don't see the things. I've gotten so many gifts from that situation. I have learned so many ways to cope. I have such strength that it's unbelievable. Without that, who knows? There is always a gift in everything that happens to us. And sometimes we're in the midst of it. We can't see it. But someday it will be obvious. It will be right and bold, bright, shining neon lights for you to understand if you'll just look at the gifts you were given. I was given so many gifts from the things that I went through as a young person that now I am entirely grateful for all the things that happened to me. And most of the great gifts came from my struggles, from my challenges, from my pain. And I guarantee if you look deep inside you, you'll realize that most of your gifts came from that too. Because when things are hard and we work for them and we persevere and we hold our head high And sometimes even when we drop our head and sit in the muck for a while, life is truly happening for us. And I can only hope to be one of those, like my friend and her husband and son, who just left this earth too early, to have made a mark on the world big enough that people celebrate what I brought to their life. And I wish the very same for each and every one of you. Stay safe. Show as much love as you can today in kindness. And please don't ever hesitate to reach out to me if I can ever be of any assistance at all. I love you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Joyful Souls Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, subscribe, rate, and review the show on your favorite podcast player. If you have any questions, comments, or feedback for us, you can reach me directly at tracybenson at joyfulsouls.com. Thanks ever so much for listening and have a beautiful day.